0: hello listeners welcome to the real dad's podcast a real podcast about real movies with fake dads um i'm joined here by roger brandstetter now that he is done hedging on amc entertainment stock to save the theater
1: industry all by himself what's up roger Hey, how's it going? Uh, I actually was browsing Wall Street Bets just before this uh, subreddit I've never visited and probably won't go back to. I think some weird stuff's going to happen this week with the market, so uh, we can talk a little bit more about that later. Any um, brick and mortar
0: shorts that we should be aware of? Are they going to try to save lids or like Foot Locker,
1: Spencer's? Zoomies. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Geez, I don't know. I was trying to see if there was something that hadn't blown up like Gamestock or AMC yet, but I don't know. It's a bunch of weird people on that Reddit. <laughs> well, anyway,
0: this is our first podcast, not our first uh, podcast that we've done together. We've dived into this medium once before. I figured it'd be a good time to just get back into it. Um, we are going to be in quarantine for, gosh, probably another 10 months at least um, forever forever this is life now (laughs) this is just the way it's gonna be um i'm not sure how many people are even listening to that many podcasts anymore i know i've cut out a hefty amount because i just don't commute anymore um but i occasionally get to them i figured why not start talking about movies and just streaming and giving people recommendations because people need a lot of recommendations um you, you see people getting asked all the time on social media. So I'm like, why don't we just put a little bit of a spin on that? Um, give a reason why we're making recommendations and just kind of talk about movies in general because we love movies. Let's go. Uh, first thing, we're going to just talk about some, some real news that's real with two E's um, about the movie industry. Uh, acclaimed director Noah Baumbach is... Uh, signing an exclusive Netflix deal, which means for the next couple of years, he is going to be um, writing and directing movies exclusively for Netflix. Uh, The last little venture he did for them was Marriage Story, which got nominated for like six Academy Awards. His next film, uh, White Noise, based on the adaption of the 1985 novel by the same name, uh, is going to be like the next movie that he does. Uh, That one is about a professor and his wife who are afraid of death and confront it when a toxic chemical releases in their town. Uh, This is going to star Adam Driver, who was with him in Marriage Story, and Greta Gerwig, uh, a great director in her own right, and Noah Baumbach's wife. So that should be a fun little project for the both of them. Uh, My first question about this exclusive deal, Roger, is Christopher Nolan somewhere in a dark room screaming because of this deal?
1: Gosh, I don't know. I don't think Nolan necessarily would be. um, Mostly because he seems to like to do his own thing. Though, I mean, I would like to see someone like a Christopher Nolan get a deal like this just because I want to see more of his films. And I'm uh, a little bummed we didn't get a whole summer of Tenet jokes on Twitter because everyone was kind of trying to not go to theaters. Look, Tenet would have been great to see in theaters, but I watched it the other weekend uh, just
0: on a... Well... Can't say a regular TV. It's a decent sized TV at least, but I thought it was perfectly fine watching it on that. So not sure what Christopher is so freaked out about.
1: Uh I think that the way that he makes movies and just the really enormous expensive stunts that he does um makes him want people to see it in the way that he intended for them to see it, which is I don't know. I guess that's his prerogative. I have a huge, nice TV and it was beautiful on it. And it was, I don't think that seeing it in a theater would have materially improved my viewing experience, but I don't know, to each their own. The only difference was Elizabeth the Beaky would have just been more statuesque (laughs) and beautiful on a big screen. (laughs) I think she's literally as tall as I am on my TV. (laughs) In theater, she would have been a giant. (laughs) Let Elizabeth
0: the Beaky be tall, you cowards. Um, Back to the Baumbach news. I don't think this is that big of a deal for him specifically. I think Soderbergh is completely fine with uh, putting movies out on mediums like this. He's been known to push the bounds of uh, what the creative process for making films has to be anyway. And uh, Baumbach saw success with Marriage Story. He got into like the whole Netflix system. And I think when you look across his filmography, this is kind of more of a proper suited medium for him. He's not making big movies with large set pieces. It's more like two people, really good actors, going mano a mano, talking about real things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that the Netflix model, where they can have, well, well, they can hope to have one very talented creator locked in for a number of years, has worked out. I mean. I thought that the Adam Sandler deal was kind of weird, but we got some pretty fun, uh, if not the greatest, but at least interesting movies out of it. And just locking down a filmmaker like a Noah who has a following, I think is what they're going for, just to have kind of just something for everyone, even if the things that they are making are not Oscar bait. Though a lot of them are going to be, uh, I think, especially this year, just because all the Oscar movies will... By necessity, have to have been on streaming platforms.
0: Not gonna lie, I like some of the Adam Sandler movies that popped up on Netflix. They were just good. Like, oh, this is on. This is trending right now on the Netflix feed. Even though all the things that seem to be trending on Netflix are Netflix originals, uh, it, just pop it on, see where it takes you. And I feel like Baumbach movies will be the same way.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I w- am excited that someone like Noah Bomback got it. But again, like if they start getting people like a Christopher Nolan or like uh whoever, some like an Aaron Sorkin or just someone who makes interesting movies to agree, hey, my next three films are going to be Netflix exclusives. I think that dramatically changes, well, it'll accelerate the dramatic changing of the Hollywood landscape where uh, an auteur level director doesn't necessarily go to a Warner Brothers or a Paramount or whatever. They go to Netflix to make their opuses oh bye. i mean
0: we've seen a, a few movies kind of have to shift directions anyway um over the course of the past year like i believe *Trial of the chicago seven wasn't originally supposed to have a netflix home um but i i believe it might have just ended up finding its way there anyway um, despite that one supposedly being a, a a big blockbuster movie i think it was supposed to be last summer um, but you also have guys like Wes Anderson who have a movie that we're still waiting for uh, is still on the top of my list. The French dispatch that uh, probably could be suited for a streaming option, like throw it on a Hulu or an Amazon prime. And I'm sure it'd do large numbers, but there is no confirmed date for that
1: uh, even this year yet. Man, that could be a segment at the end of this, uh, just movies that got pushed that we were just, itching to see like I know I like I'm not the biggest Bond person but I really want to see No Time to Die and The French Dispatch as well. I I could go like 20 minutes long on the
0: ninth Fast and the Furious movie so uh, speaking of movies I get pushed back. Um, Movie theaters Uh, they are were struggling a couple weeks ago but now one particular nationwide chain uh, seems to be having a new Breath of Life, uh, because of a bunch of meme lords on Reddit. Uh, we talked about it just a little bit at the top of the podcast. Uh, the AMC meme stock rally. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I try to get this boiled down uh, in a, in like a, explained it to me like I'm five fashion as much as possible. But that there was a stock rally by Redditors essentially wiping out million of debt for AMC Entertainment. This is not AMC, the TV station that has The Walking Dead and formerly Breaking Bad. This is the movie theater that you go see at your local multiplex. Um, So a private equity firm converted corporate bonds. It it held an AMC Entertainment stock, um, which allowed them to wipe out the debts. I believe I'm explaining that correctly. Roger, you're more of a finance guy than I am.
1: Yeah. So companies, tradition- well, traditionally, they have two options if they want to raise funds for whatever their expenses are. So it is either issuing equity, which is stock or debt. And, and
0: sees his next project about time and uh, posterity on the big screen again.
1: Why so serious, my guy? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's going to be good for a decade just because of the transition to streaming. Like that's not really going to necessarily slow down. And I mean, the same thing goes for GameStop where, I mean, people can have this stock as much as they like, but the thing that is undergirding the entire thing is like, I don't know, is the company bankrupt? Like GameStop probably will be at some point. And like, I don't know if AMC necessarily uh, would have the same prognosis as a GameStop, and especially like I don't know. I like going to the to the movies and the act of going into a theater and sitting down and the shared experience of watching it. And I don't think that is uh, as in danger as something like secondhand, uh, like used video game stuff, where like the new consoles you just download uh, a game right to your console and there's nothing to sell. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's a strange time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like so, movie theaters and brick and mortar video game establishments, uh, like GameStop are the s- GameStop, not GameStop, are the same in that you know they have services that are kind of getting cut into by just digital downloads. And um, why should a you know video game maker, a video game studio, put their video games in a movie or? In a movie, in a video game store to sell put those games in there when they can sell them digitally for the exact same price like playstation 5 literally has a digital uh video game console now so you don't have to have discs like that's the whole point of it Mm -hmm. um movie theaters on the other hand um studios want these movies in movie theaters they got big budget tent poles uh you got the marvel movies you've got uh I don't know if they're making any Minions movies or things of that nature. Soul would have been a very big movie on the big screen, I think, um, because they can make more money from it, like pure and simple. uh, When they put them on streamers, unless you are a Disney Plus, it's cutting into revenue, Uh, putting putting your movie as a studio that's not like Netflix original studios, you're losing profits to them and they don't want that,
1: obviously. Yeah, I think ultimately having a movie in theaters means that people will later or they might buy a physical copy later. And there's just, uh, if something goes to streaming, it essentially, it, the, the thing's been sold. You can't try to sell it again. So I don't know. I think that theaters will probably be fine. I think a lot of this rests on the studio's um, just because I think that's the thing that was kind of killing uh, the brick and mortar cinema plex industry before is these cinemas have to pay a huge percentage of their revenues to the studios just to get the movies there. And I mean, that's why you see the $12 bucket of popcorn or the $8 soda or whatever. Yeah. I'm not a sociologist, but uh, everything, you know, the, the
0: trauma of, staying in and not being able to go and have a normal life and doing the normal things that we've, uh, you know, grown up doing or have taken for granted over the past year has, I feel like just may have bred like an entire generation of people who are like, yeah, you know what? I will pay 20 bucks to go and like with snacks and the movie ticket itself, just to go and and see a film because I need to get out of my house. Like I, I miss doing certain things like this. I miss just being part of a community and going to see a movie with a lot of people who are all laughing at the same things I'm laughing at and enjoying the same things I'm enjoying. Um, And yeah, I, I know I've said this a million times during quarantine, but I'm going to say no a lot less to doing things uh, whenever that time comes. I should
1: make a movie about that. (laughs) Uh, The yeah, I mean, that's, and think- my outline too, my notes are like part of the reason that I love these movies are the shared experience. Like some of my fondest memories in movies are going to get out or going to Black Panther or going to Super Bad, And just like the entire theater, I don't know, the communal experience is similar to like a sporting event. It's something else.
0: Yeah, I mean... I would much rather go to a movie theater than go to a sporting event. Like I miss live sports as next as much as the next person, but uh, I'm perfectly okay with sitting on my couch and watching a very good sports uh, sports match, whether that's football, basketball, anything, golf at this point, tennis. um, That's, that's much more better to me uh, having a group of friends over to do that. But it's not the same having a group of friends watching a movie together if that makes sense. Um, because you want to like interact with each other. You don't want to like sit in silence for, you know, 120 minutes with your friends, uh, all the time, you know? Yeah.
1: Depends on your friends. <laughs> well,
0: that's true. depends on your friends. Depends, uh, on what sort of, uh, activities are happening within that room. I think we all know what we're talking about here.
1: Talking about drugs.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so we're going to just keep on plugging away at the streaming uh, content here because that's all we have right now. Uh, the Snyder Cut. We're all super excited to, excited for the Snyder Cut. Uh, that is a director's cut of 2017's Justice League. Has it been that long already? Or my I... Wonder Woman was 2017 or 18. I can't even remember how long it's been. It's, it's been 100 years.
1: Oh, I have a note somewhere. Uh, I will poo-poo that a little bit. I'm not the biggest uh, DC head other than I thought the first Wonder Woman was incredible. But uh, I I think it's pretty interesting that Snyder is going to have his own four-hour movie just because people on the internet begged and cried for it enough that it's going to happen. Like, that's pretty cool. It's also
0: not just a director's cut either. It's not like it's going to be... A um, couple minutes longer, like an Oliver Stone uh, mega cut, where they have to have a um, a break in between uh, each side of the DVD. It's going to be a four part like extravaganza, and they're putting like an additional thirty to forty million into this movie. It's essentially another movie. It's going to be something that's hopefully completely different because outside of the aforementioned wonder woman um i will throw aquaman and uh, shazam and birds of prey in there with this dc universe uh jokers excluded in this account um i'll throw those in there as like actually good dc movies but most notably justice league uh batman versus superman those movies weren't good people did not like them very much and they were kind of floundering in the marvel shadows so getting this director's cut is like kind of a big swing considering the last couple movies that hbo max is and this is where it's going to be it's going to be on hbo max um that's where they're dropping it march 18th um so a couple days after my birthday happy birthday to me and the last couple movies that they dropped on HBO Max that were supposed to go in theaters have not been very good um, so we're talking an uh, additional 30 to 40 million dollars into a previously already pretty shitty movie uh, that they're going to put on HBO Max for people to enjoy and it's not going to be in the theaters um, and Warner Brothers who owns HBO Max um, or Warner Brothers with at and after that merger, acquisition, can't even remember at this point. Uh, they've decided to put all their movies that they have on HBO Max at some point, whether that's Matrix 4, um, Godzilla versus Kong, here we go. Uh, if they're putting them on these streamers. Do we think the Snyder Cut is going to be good, or should they not even bother with dropping these on HBO Max anymore because Wonder Woman 1984, and I just watched – the little things, neither of which were that great.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's sort of a sunk cost thing where they already spent a ton of money on this movie and there's clearly some audience for it. And like, if it's on HBO max and I'm already subscribed, I'm probably going to watch it at some point. Um, I'm watching it the first weekend. I just to be clear. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of these movies, especially given the pandemic pandemic, that you can watch movies that are coming out and the like the day they come out and they can still be a part of pop culture discourse on Twitter. Um, I, I don't know. It's a little hard to say if the two Warner's movies that have come out aren't good and they just happen to have been the first two that came out. Or if it is this thing where they saw that their slate of movies this year is a little bit weak and they're like, well, They're not going to make that much money in theaters anyway. So we may as well just try to get something for them. So, hey, HBO, guess what? (laughs) Yeah, that makes me curious if
0: uh, the powers that be saw HBO or saw Wonder Woman 1984 and they saw the little things and they were just like, you know what? These these are going to be a little bit disappointing in the theaters. We don't need that kind of press. Let's just put it on the streaming service. We can keep the number of people who watched it to ourselves and we can tell everybody it was a big success. We can tell it was our number one streaming film uh,
1: any given weekend and keep the stock price up. <laughs> we don't want those wall street bets, bros coming after us. Gosh. Yeah. I don't know. I have some issues with one Woman 1984. I'm just, got to think that at some point someone had to have renounced their wish for more wonder woman content or or just more. I don't know that gosh, that second movie I was wanted to like it so much and Chris Pine acting like he's never seen fireworks was tough. (laughs) Wild. Um, Yeah. There's a,
0: there's some things to like about that movie for sure. Um, But at the same time, it felt a little bit like, kind of like the justice league and that you could tell there was a few hands in the cookie jar who wanted certain things to be in there like the fireworks that you were just talking about like I, that scene felt like it was entirely shoehorned in there to be like oh look bright colors mm-hmm. uh wonder like come on that was very very tough scene and Kristen Wiig as much as we love her and mostly anything particularly bridesmaids uh,
1: was spoilers turned into a furry feline (laughs) look I think they needed to handle that differently at the end like I was fine with her character and I liked her performance like I genuinely liked it the entire film and then at the end I was just confused and a little bit concerningly aroused and it was just a strange time for everyone
0: look a, a thing that people need to understand is that wonder woman and like her uh antagonist if you will in the comics are all pretty wild like cheetah is just a pretty generally wild creation so it is hard to put that into uh a movie format if you will um that's supposed to be believable i Kind of liked how they handled the whole Chris Pine is back type of thing. I needed them to explain it to me a little bit sooner than they did. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I got it. I understood. A little bit. I understood what was happening with it all. <laughs> um, but I guess that's, that's not a good thing if you have to pronounce to people like, oh yeah, I understood it. I got what was happening. Like, it should be kind of
1: unsaid. The only situations where you want to brag about understanding a movie as like a like tenant specifically (laughs) (laughs) tenant Tenant, i I still don't understand i've been trying to i've been
0: wrapping my brain with it for for a couple days now and i still don't get it um i'll touch on the little things just a little bit uh because i just watched that movie it was supposed to be Oscar Fair. Um, I've, I've seen it on a few lists with some betting odds to possibly move into the conversation uh, because it is a movie directed by John Lee Hancock, um, starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malik, Jared Leto, ever heard of them, uh, three Academy Award winning actors, and like a 1990s crime thriller. Um, Malik and Denzel play cops who are looking for the killer of these women uh sounds a little zodiac-esque sounds a little seven-esque but i can tell you one thing it's not like either of those movies uh it definitely wanted to be a little bit like those but there were points when i just kind of i got bored during it to be perfectly honest there are some scenes in there that i was like this doesn't have to be two hours um you can cut a good 10 minutes off of that movie and it would be perfectly fine um, I don't know. It, it felt like it was a, it was meant to be a star vehicle, get some people some Oscar film down uh, for the commit for the Academy. Uh, Jared Leto was <laughs> pretty goofy, which is a good thing. He was he was like probably the best one in the movie, um, shockingly. But yeah, that I that's not going on my recommendations list. We're gonna make some recommendations a little later, but um, that one you can skip. I'm going to take it off my Oscars to watch list and we're we're going to move on. We're going to pretend like it didn't happen. What's the best
1: Jared Leto movie that he's in? Uh, he won the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club, right? Yeah. I guess what's the most fun one to watch him in?
0: Uh, you can watch him get twisted in uh, suicide squad, but uh, let me, Let me break up Jared Leto's filmography and we'll find out.
1: I have one, and I'm thinking of uh, Lord of War. He was pretty fun.
0: Um, Can we go Fight Club, even though he was in that for like two and a half minutes?
1: Gosh, was he? I don't remember that for some reason. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I I honestly, mm, ah, Lord of War is
0: pretty good. Vitaly Um, or Love. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to go Blade Runner 2049. That's pretty fair. I, I think that was a kind of an underrated movie. It was very long, um, but it had a great uh, aesthetic, and I really enjoyed it, and I thought Jared Leto was in a decent fit for it. Uh, I think he's, he's riding that Academy Award wave for a while now.
1: Uh, it's kind of like Mike McCarthy winning that one Super Bowl. <laughs> Oh, uh, here's one. American Psycho. I've completely, man, what a great movie. All right. We should probably move on before I, we fall into the Jared Leto hole.
0: Oh man. I uh, don't want to go there. Um, well, let's flip this on its head because we've talked a little bit about HBO max. I love HBO. I think everybody should have HBO is one of the streamers that they have in their household. I've said, that if I could only have one streamer in my life, it would be HBO and now HBO max. Uh, but on the other side, we have a streamer that's seeing a lot of success with the deep library. And one of the best shows that I've seen in a couple of months now, best new show, uh, Disney plus and WandaVision, which is
1: turning into a really great show. Yeah. I didn't, Fully expect to be as invested as I am. Uh, I thought episodes one and two are awesome and fun and all that. And then I hit three and my goodness, it's great television. It's really well written and it's like actually very funny. Yeah, uh, just
0: a little bit of background. I feel like we've been doing explainers this whole podcast. Um, But WandaVision is a Disney slash Marvel product based on two already established characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, This time they're going to the small screen, Um, Wanda Maximoff, uh, aka the Scarlet Witch, and Vision. And if you're an MCU head, yes, Vision is supposed to be dead. Um, I hope I'm not spoiling that for anybody, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, He dies in one of the movies prior to this series, so we still have a lot to figure out and unpack why he is in this TV show, Um, but it is a show about Wanda who seems to have used her powers to create some sort of alternative reality around her and it's based off of uh, old sitcoms uh, and we're getting like a decade by decade approach in each episode. Uh, 50s 60s were are getting like dick van dyke show type uh what was the last one that they used brady bunch kind of yeah it was a it was very brady ask yeah um very marsha 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 uh so it's it's turning into a show that um has a little bit more of a darkness behind it because you're trying to figure out what is like the mental state of this superpowered being because clearly she is going through some trauma and she is unpacking that um but it, it's packaged in a fun box with uh tv's horniest character Katherine Hahn, uh playing somebody whose identity we don't fully know yet but she is just wild
1: with the innuendo and i love it yeah you gotta watch big mouth there's some some uh horniness in that show one might say. <laughs> I that's intentional though. I'm talking
0: yeah. about this is on Disney Plus. There are children here.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's uh yeah, I don't know. I've really liked the show a lot so far and the fact that it's on Disney Plus means if you have like a 4K TV, it's beautiful. It's a really well-made show. I I, I think it's on the top of my recommendations list right now especially if you are into Marvel at all, or if you liked the whole infinity gauntlet 30 movie run saga, this like tax a little something onto the end and might be foreshadowing something in the future too.
0: Yeah. It definitely feels like a necessary link that people are going to have to watch um, going forward in the Marvel cinematic universe, which is why I think that these shows, this isn't going to be the only Marvel's show that has attachments to the MCU that they're going to do, but they kind of pulled the plug on some other Marvel shows um, that were like on Netflix and agents of shield was on ABC, I think. Um, so those had like loose ties, but they weren't really consequential to the narrative arc of the larger uh, Avengers universe. Um, I will say though, it is, while it's on the top of my recommendations list, I'm glad that they have four episodes out now because now I feel like I'll start recommending it more as I thought the first two episodes that they dropped right away were really like fun and charming. um, A great way to spend 20 to 25 minutes of your day, but they weren't really telling me a whole lot. Um, So what do you make of like them dropping two episodes right away when it was supposed to be one and then before this fourth episode, they kind of dropped some spicy teasers and trailers to kind of get the juice rolling for the fourth episode. Do you think uh, that they were a little worried people wouldn't get it or underst- or wait around to see what they were trying to do?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I thought one and two were good. As you said, they're delightful. Uh, combined, I think it was an hour including bathroom breaks of, uh, content viewing time. And it's always great to see Paul Bettany and, uh, Olson. I forgot. Elizabeth. Yeah. I couldn't remember. She's Mary Kate or Ashley. So there you go. Um, none of the above. And so, I mean, they're fun to all, well, that something's not quite right here, but I mean the crux of the show is that something is not quite right. And so three and four, were a lot more fulfilling and i really liked what they did at the start of four without going into any details about it um yeah i i think they're still playing around with how to release a series on streaming um like i just remember like for mandalorian they had just done the weekly thing but they just released one and i they must have some good focus tests or focus group people test watching it to say like oh i've seen this entire series but i don't think i would have kept watching if i didn't see this in this one. Mm. So i don't know it's uh, with the last two i'm i'm much more invested in seeing where the season goes and how it ties into the larger MCU. Yeah
0: um WandaVision like if they would have just had the first episode i would have been like cool that was neat um, i'll come back next week see what's see what's going on with these people as opposed to like the Mandalorian. I think for a lot of people after finishing that first episode, um, people remember how it ended Uh, the what's his name? Jin, the Mandalorian Mando, Mando. Uh, He saves uh, what he was trying to save. And it turns out to be a little baby Yoda. And you have him with this last image of him looking at this like very cute creature who you're wondering like is this a product of Yoda? is this his his love child from something like you just had questions and after wandavision vision, after like even the first two episodes, I was like, oh this is awesome this is nostalgic. this is like reminding you of old Nick at night shows or TV land shows that you used to watch because uh, obviously that style predates us by a couple decades. Um, but I didn't have any questions. I was like, clearly there's something going on underneath the surface, but I, I wasn't questioning what was going on. But after the third episode and now the fourth episode, I'm like, okay, I've got a lot of questions here. Uh, the first one being, when are we going to get the Randall
1: Park and Cat Denning spinoff? Yeah, no kidding. My biggest question after episode two was well, how, why are there so many bees in the sewers? Um, but that's, uh slightly spoilery you'll have to watch to figure out what that means (laughs) curious about the westview new jersey plumbing system
0: and what that's all about they really don't want you down there no anyway wandavision um of course not a movie uh as we are talking about movies but it's part of a larger uh cinematic universe and streaming and that's the kind of content that we're into right now so felt very uh very on brand to at least cover it. Um, But let's move into uh, another section. I wanna talk about some recommendations. Um, I wrote down a couple and I have a third in mind, but I didn't wanna drop it uh, in case it was one of your recommendations, but maybe we could talk about it jointly. Um, So as like half the country gets snowed on now, more and more people are probably going to be stuck inside for a couple of days over the course of the week and into next weekend. Who knows? Um, so, we need some streaming options. Do you have
1: a first
0: recommendation for the
1: folks? So, we did previously touch on this. And so, my first recommendation is Tenet from Christopher Nolan. It's <laughs> a fun movie and it is a blockbuster and it's confusing and john david washington is great in it and robert pattinson is great in it and it's just uh it bends your mind in ways that i think really only christopher nolan can do and uh i don't think that as many people saw it as were probably supposed to have seen it in theaters and i think that it's just fun and a interesting movie. And I think rewatches increase the value of it. Um, Yeah, I really like it. And it's a weird premise. And I feel like any movie that you are looking stuff up about it afterwards, um, even if it's not out of enjoyment and more out of frustration, uh, extends the movie watching experience. And yeah, I don't know. I liked it a lot. (laughs) Hey, you know what? John David
0: Washington is one of our country's great actors um i will say that right now i liked tenet i i'm still confused i don't know if it was good or not um, i i did enjoy watching it though um, i am you know an elizabeth Debicki head uh, love everything that she does and is in um, robert pattinson was delightful um, he's a, a great actor in his own right and it's definitely not a movie that you just kind of fall into on cable uh, whenever it gets to that point, uh, because if you drop into the middle of it, you're probably going to be like, what the frick is going on? Uh, it's definitely a start to finish movie that you have to watch from the beginning to the end and then maybe play it back and watch it another time. You keep um, saying beginning and end, but if you watch Tenet, <laughs> you're right. Um but it, it, it's a good movie, and if you look into some of the like research behind it, you'll know that he didn't use a lot of um, like special effects or CGI to create a lot of this stuff. It's a lot of like just creative film work and stunt work, and they use big set pieces, and we're all trapped in our homes, and this is a movie that takes you to a lot of different places around the world, so that's uh, just a cool aspect of it and we're probably not going to get a lot of big movies like that anytime soon unless people decide to drop uh, more movies on our heads that they've been saving from 2020.
1: You know what it reminds me of um, is The Revenant in that it's this movie that is larger than life and it's not perhaps everyone's favorite movie I think is a fair statement but it is kind of just this technical masterpiece where I don't know, John David Washington was training to act backwards for these set pieces and, I don't know, driving cars backwards. And it's the stunt with the uh, the crane car for the heist on the highway is something else. And that first opera scene, I don't know, I thought everything about it is very technical, technically precise. And it's a very, I would say it's a beautiful film to watch, even if the plot uh, is a little confusing at times. Yeah, I mean, when you watch it you can tell
0: that Christopher Nolan was like uh I worked really hard on this. I want this to be in theaters to be seen the way I had imagined it to be seen because it's it's a very big project. Uh you can feel like the gravity of it while you're watching the movie and in an IP driven world uh where we are getting less and less original content on big tent pole movies like this, um, the good popcorn action movie. I support it. Um, I did not like Revenant that much. Uh, I thought Leo was a couple years too late on his Oscar anyway, but I did appreciate the um, technical aspect of it. Um, so if, if you can appreciate something like that, then Tenet's a good movie for you.
1: Yeah. What do you got for your first rec? Uh,
0: my first and number one recommendation uh, has been for a couple of weeks now is One Night in Miami. Uh, it is a movie directed by Regina King. It is based off of a play um, by Kemp Powers, I believe is the writer of that play. He also helped a little bit on the script for this movie. Uh, it is a movie about a night in Miami, of course, but, uh, but it's a historical depiction of what happened on this night when uh, Muhammad Ali, then known as Cassius Clay, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown were all in Miami for a Cassius Clay fight. And they all, there are documented reports of this. They hung out with each other. Um, they hung out in a hotel. Uh, don't know p- the precise uh precisely what they were speaking of or what they even talked about. They could have just been bullshitting because they're friends and you bullshit with your friends all the time, or in this movie, like they suggest they talk about some really heavy and weighty things. So, um, that it was a very good movie to me. That one's a, definitely a character driven, uh, film and a lot of good performances, including uh, Kingsley Benadire who plays Malcolm X. Um, should get a significant oscar nod in my opinion um i I
1: hope he's at the top of the list yeah i know i didn't really know anything about the plot of that but i have seen it on some oscar heat watch lists and for that reason alone i'm in but knowing a couple more plot details that sounds super intriguing
0: yeah it's um it's a little bit of a packed script uh they do cover a lot of territory when it comes to race in america um of course that is a story that hasn't aged too differently from uh 1960s america to now but um i think it's important uh important conversations to have uh and kind of gives you a good insight into what these like titanic figures might have considered or what their possible perception would have been during this time and it's to really like peeling back the curtain type of moment um yeah you can find this on amazon prime and it's definitely a a
1: must watch that segues pretty well into my number two in fact which uh is not a newer movie is uh, it miami it, vice it is not it's trial <laughs> of the chicago seven uh which we again talked about briefly earlier. I'm not sure if I uh, incepted that uh, idea into your head somehow, but uh, this one came out and I, I think it was like a week or two weeks before the election. And after the summer of the George Floyd protests, it was pretty, it seemed like a lot of the things in the movie were ripped from the headlines, but what's nuts is it was filmed like in 2019 and all these things that you saw reflected on the news and on people's twitter feeds uh it was just i mean it's been happening and i mean this is a film portraying things that happened in the 60s and it's weird how different things are and how, uh, also how much they stay the same and i thought this movie was awesome i'm obviously a huge sorkin head um the cast was just tremendous. I thought Sasha Baron Cohen should probably get nominated for something, maybe supporting actor for this movie, but I thought it was tremendous and uh, it's on Netflix, I think. Yeah. So pretty widely available. I think if you're listening and you have as one streaming service, it's likely Netflix, but it's, I think it's worth a watch and I don't know. I thought, Something at the end. I can't remember the exact detail, which perhaps does not speak well of it. But um, I thought there are some really good moments in the movie, and it should, I think, get some awards consideration. Uh, speaking of
0: Inception, my my whole goal of this podcast is just to create a world of uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen the second stands uh, just by mentioning the matrix four and aquaman and now trial of the chicago seven i'm just i'm putting the the groundwork down to get to get that idea into their to their minds so they can join the hive
1: we can get some t-shirts drawn up
0: (laughs) uh merch coming soon um great call on this though uh if especially if you're just like a big aaron sorkin head um like yourself do you wanna do you want me to clear the floor and give you some ISO ball time so you can wax poetic about Aaron Sorkin and how much you enjoy
1: him. Gosh, I don't really need that much time. I think the <laughs> thing that you need to know about me is I've watched the West wing, the entire series, but especially the Sorkin seasons, which are one through four, uh, like eight or nine times front to back. And I-, I thought the social network was amazing. And I thought Molly's game was amazing. Pretty much anytime this guy touches well, probably finger to keyboard, but uh, pen to paper. I'm probably going to ha- have a pretty good time watching whatever the result is, and I'm almost certain that he's ghostwritten for Obama's like presidential speeches. So I don't, I don't know if you if you like a well put together sentence, he's your guy, and Chicago Seven is his most recent work. But if you like that, I would recommend watching seasons. Especially two through four, but the entire series of West Wing is fantastic.
0: Yeah, the Sorkin DNA is, I mean, obviously and absolutely all over Trial of the Chicago 7. It's just, it's doing a lot of things. It's jumping around. The dialogue is just like turn the subtitles on and just like read it and
1: really absorb it and commit it to memory because it's really good stuff. Um, the thing is that you need to, have time set aside and you need to be watching either alone or with someone who understands that if you stop paying attention to this movie for a minute, you're going to be pretty lost because the script is going, it's very fast. So it's, it's definitely mm-hmm. an investment of time. I think it pays off. Um, I could see where someone might not like it or have nits to pick, but I don't know. I like the entire cast and I thought that it was really well-written and it's poignant and, says something about the present by using the past. And that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, great recommendation there. My second one is, gosh, this is on Netflix too. Uh, we are not sponsored by them. No free ads. Yet. Uh, <laughs> but it is uh, Mank. That's M-A-N-K. Uh, Mank is a movie about Herman Mankiewicz, uh, who famously or maybe controversially did uh, It's hard to understand the full story behind this, uh, but it's about the fateful days or the time spanning when he created and wrote uh, Citizen Kane. Um, So this is another historical movie. Uh, It kind of jumps back and forth between timelines from when um, Herman Mankiewicz was a kind of bigger writer um, within Hollywood in 1940. 30s, 40s, 50s. Um,
1: One of those. 30s, it's,
0: probably. It's old timey. It's uh, it's a black and white film. So if that's not your cup of tea, I'm sorry, but you should watch it anyway because it's really great. Um, back to what I was saying. Herman Mankiewicz, uh, jumps between timelines between when he was a bigger Hollywood like stud writer and kind of a more merc- mercurial figure. Um, somebody that kind of. Uh, has issues with alcoholism and um creates citizen kane what many people thought was based on real people in the hollywood system so a lot of people took umbrage with what he was creating and what he was writing after seeing um drafts or seeing pages of his script that he was sending in Um, so they kind of deal with the weight of that and I, i don't know maybe it just might be me being obsessed um Kind of like how Hollywood is obsessed with stories about itself. I'm a little obsessed with stories about Hollywood. Um, I really enjoy those types of films. Uh, Amanda Seyfried is really great in it. Um, Herman Mankiewicz is played by Gary Oldman. Your mileage might vary on him. Mine certainly does. But um, the script is really well written, too, because uh, Herman Mankiewicz, by all accounts, was like a pretty smart and like witty guy. Um, so, you'd almost think this was written by Sorkin himself because he's kind of the lines are coming in really hot. Uh, he's delivering witty zingers at like a breakneck speed and having these back and forth dialogues with people that are very fun and entertaining. Uh, it's almost Game of Thrones esque, um, where the important stuff is happening in the conversations. Uh, so, that one's a, a movie I recommend for sure. Uh, and maybe another subtitles movie that you can really read uh what the words are being put down um because it's just entertaining it's good stuff i would watch it again
1: and yeah that's been on my list for a while uh we wanted we being my girlfriend and i wanted to watch citizen kane before watching mank um Mm -hmm. but i introduce the idea of mank to her as hey it's this movie about citizen kane and she's like well i haven't really seen that so um i'm excited to watch bank and have been for a while and i'm hoping to be able to do that i don't know sometime in the next couple of weeks especially since it's probably going to get some serious awards consideration
0: yeah i think citizen kane is on hbo max um it is it is indeed if you want to watch it chronologically like after watching mank it made me want to watch citizen kane because it wanted me to or i wanted to watch it with the context of seeing like their perception of how it might have been created I, i say perception because i'm not entirely sure how fully accurate the historical historical accounts are here they didn't exactly have uh people recording every single aspect of this man's life or uh, Orson Welles's life for that matter. So
1: um,
0: yeah, that's uh, my number two. Uh, what's your number two or um, three my, rather. Sorry.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, um, uh, so this one's not a movie uh, and it's also not new because I am a boring person. So one thing about me is that I really like uh, food television And so, uh, my recommendation is ugly, delicious. Uh, it's a top tier food anthropology, sociology show, uh, created by Dave Chang, who is the brains and cook behind, uh, momofuku, which is, uh, one of my favorite fried chicken sandwiches I've ever had. Just great Um, stuff. It was truly incredible. Um that alone is kind of what made me want to watch this, but then I turned it on and it's like uh, the episode about fried chicken, like delves into the issues of race around it and how that informs culture and food and what people find delicious almost universally or the episode, episode about curve of like Indian or Pakistani people in America. And I don't know, it's just really interesting and the fact that it's on Netflix means that you can watch it in like, ultra HD and it's just this beautiful food and these beautiful places and he's talking to interesting people like I don't know like your mileage might vary but Aziz Ansari's in a couple of the episodes and it's not a new show but I had a lot of fun watching it and I'd recommend it to just about anyone I think my mom's
0: ears just perked up she loves Dave Chang um, very in on, on the stuff that he produces and this sounds like a just a great experiential show um, kind of in the vein of I mean nobody can replace Anthony Bourdain but part of the reason you watched him was because he's just a, a globetrotter and he was going around all the world going around the world um, talking with different people about their different experiences and how that relates to food because uh, food is kind of a universal uh, connector uh, amongst people because we all love it unless you're captain raymond holt from brooklyn 99 we all love food uh, we or all want vision. it to taste good <laughs> or vision uh, bringing it back to the top who uh can't eat gum um anyway uh yeah that's that's a good recommendation uh kind of to bounce off of that um uh, what was it? i can't even remember what it was called but it was the zach efron show uh that was on netflix we watched that early in quarantine because we're like just take me to iceland france uh peru like just get me out of the headspace of you know the walls within my apartment and take me around the world
1: yeah absolutely and i mean that's why i like this too is i mean he goes to london or italy or pardon the sirens in the back here or uh india or mexico or i mean even just new york or la or just it's cool and it it looks really pretty and the conversations around culture and race and food specifically in those two episodes. I mentioned the fried chicken one and the curry one are legitimately very interesting. It made me think.
0: Is, is that sword in the background? Are they coming to investigate your uh, plumbing? Uh, I think it might be the justice league since I was trash talking them. <laughs> um, my last recommendation and This one is a documentary uh, on HBO Max, not sponsored, no free ads, Uh, but it is Tiger. It is the documentary about Tiger Woods. Um, I know a few of our friends have already checked this out, just generally being interested in sports and good documentaries. I thought this was a really well-put-together documentary um, about Tiger Woods, about his life, about him growing up and just being a golf prodigy molded by his dad um, who was a larger than life figure in his life. Um, this one, you might have to go in with a little bit of a, a grain of salt. This isn't like the last dance, uh, 10 part documentary about Michael Jordan that we got last summer, but rather a, a two part documentary that is like minus Tiger Woods. Um, he didn't have any input in this. They kind of just did this, working around him through research through interviews who with people who were once connected with him um, like his caddy alleged longtime best friends Uh, and and it it, it's broken up into like Tiger Woods and his rising stardom Um, just honestly great to remember what kind of athlete he was and how just absolutely dominant he was in the sport of golf Um, it tackles his race um and being a black asian man in a predominantly white sports and then it gets into some other fun stuff i don't know if you guys remember this but he did have some uh some trouble with his marriage and with relationships to women in general so they dive into that as well um if you're not really much of a sports person it gives you like some some pop culture rewind to kind of take you back to that time of uh just rough tabloids and crazy uh press conferences and appearances on oprah and just it's a good watch it's a it's a nice length documentary
1: yeah i i watched only the first one so far um and haven't dove back into hit The second one but i really really like number one hbo sports has made some really good docs and this is remains great i mean it it makes me want to pick up some
0: golf clubs and and hit the links i know i can't right now but that might be my quarantine activity of choice when it warms up again only links i've been hitting are like hot dogs just hitting those sausage links give me all the links uh so that's my my last recommendation um Next, I wanted to touch on briefly, um, not to go too long on this first podcast, we don't want to bore people right on the, on the jump, but um, over the next two weeks, just wanted to see if you had anything that you're more specifically keeping your eye on, uh, stuff that hasn't dropped yet,
1: but has kept your attention and is on your streaming calendar, so to speak. So the one that you had in the notes, I'm also in on, and you can talk a little bit more about that. And we did talk about wandavision which is going to continue coming out and i'm very excited to watch that the thing that i'm probably most focused on is looking at these heat lists for what will be considered uh like oscar level movies um long time listeners of uh jordan and my pods uh will know that we've talked about oscar movies in the past and uh every year i try to watch all of the movies that are nominated for best picture to varying degrees of success um but i think trying to get a jump on those this year um is going to probably be easier than in years past since so many of them are available on netflix's and amazon primes and that type of service yeah and so i uh, sorry to cut you off uh and so like one one night in miami is one of those i still haven't seen to five bloods um and oh, you gotta watch the Five Bloods. Yep. No, I know. <laughs> and uh, promising young woman are the three that I'm most intrigued by. But there's a few others that, like in past years, where there's something like a green book, I, I'm gonna have to watch it because I need to because I need that platinum trophy for Oscar movies this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've kept a running list of
0: like Oscar buzz movies. It's mostly. Um, obviously there are no nominees yet, um, but people are campaigning. And if you follow, you know, like the Hollywood reporter or variety or anybody like in the film, Twitter hemisphere, there've been movies that have been talked about and discussed pretty heavily. Um, some of them are available to watch. Um, and some of them have been made easier to watch than others. Like, uh, a couple movies we talked about already that are on Netflix, um, Boy State on Apple TV Plus. Um, don't know if a lot of Apple TV Plus subscribers. Um, I'm one of them. Uh, and Boy State is a, a pretty good kind of documentary style movie about um, politics in Texas. Uh, not necessarily about Texas politics, but it's about boys who go to like this uh, camp during State. high school. Yeah, they go to this uh, state. Uh, It's like a a camp type of thing where they're running like mock elections and uh, going through the whole political process. And there are some some villains, so to speak, and some protagonists, so to speak. Um, So that one's a good one to check out depending on where you lie on the political spectrum. It might make you hopeful. It might make you a little bit angry. Um, A lot of emotional run through that. a few on HBO Max, uh, I already said, skip the little things. Let Them All Talk, uh, Steven Soderbergh, his movie on there with Meryl Streep, and uh, I'm, I'm saying Gemma Chan as the second lead because she's phenomenal. Um, that one's a pretty good movie just to check out, to have on, to watch. It's That one's probably not winning any best pictures, but there are some good performances, and um, the way it was shot was obviously Steven Soderbergh, so there's uh, that to consider. Um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix that's another one to check out Um, at at some point this this year there's going to be a heavy Chadwick Boseman Oscar run whether that's for best supporting actor um, in the five bloods or best actor in Ma Rainey's depending on where they decide to run him they might run him in both they definitely should because he's great in both and Just tragedy. Uh, I miss Chadwick Boseman a lot. I miss watching him on film because he's such a great actor. Uh, The one I'm looking forward to in the next couple of weeks that hasn't dropped just yet is Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, That one's coming out February 12th and it will be on HBO Max. I hope it's a little bit better than The Little Things Uh, but that is about the essentially about the assassination of Fred Hampton of the Black Panther Party. We got a little bit of a, a fred hampton view um from trial to chicago seven because he did have a character in that movie but uh fred hampton is played by the great daniel kaluuya in this movie and it stars the keith stanfield and jesse plemons and just produced by shaka king and ryan kugler what more could you want
1: Yeah, I'm so, so in. I actually didn't know Jesse Plemons was in this. I just saw Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield and I am in. I just saw Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield are, are in it. And that's kind of all I really needed. Um, and I just saw the trailer and was pretty much instantly in. I'm real pleased that this is going to be on HBO. Jesse, the chameleon Plemons, just
0: pop it up when you least expect it. Um, uh, there are there are a few other movies that I have to get to um, that are video on demand, um, "Promising Young Woman" and "News of the World," uh, both both movies that I feel like we should designate as homework and talk about next time we we podcast uh, because th- those are getting some heavy Oscar nods, but they are twenty bucks a rental right now, so uh, definitely gonna have to commit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Uh, I'm promising young woman. The premise of that looks like something else. And I like a lot of the people that are in it.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely uh, a dark thrilling movie um, news of the world is more traditional. I, I feel like this is going to be the 1917 of the Oscars this year. It's like the dad movie of Tom Hanks in like an old western i haven't even really read what it was about i just know it's tom hanks and he's like rescuing a little girl or something and they're riding in a carriage i don't know
1: i don't know yeah give me tom hanks and i'll probably enjoy the movie
0: yeah that's that's all you need to know tom hanks likely gonna get another oscar nod for this one um but yeah, those, those are some movies that I'm looking forward to. I, I think that's all uh, we really have time for today. Was there any other topics you wanted to touch on to tease for the next
1: podcast? Gosh, I got nothing. Uh Maybe we can talk about how bad we are at Warzone going forward. <laughs> uh It's not going to get any better on
0: there. Um Well, yeah, I, Thanks everybody. And to anybody who is listening to this, this is just really a a good outlet for us to speak about movies and hopefully people uh, get a little bit more enthusiastic uh, through our conversations about watching movies and seeing them in a different light other than just having it on as, as background noise. Um, I I just, because I want to be a good friend, I want to shout out uh, our friends Hannah and AJ and their podcast, uh, The Wisconsin Homestead. That one's uh, not exactly like this podcast. It's a little bit more about uh, lifestyle and not sitting in your home and <laughs> watching countless hours of a screen. But um, that that one's a, a good uh, podcast to get into as they talk about um, the, their family and their uh, lifestyle of trying to make happy cho- or healthy and happy choices. Um, so definitely check that out on Apple Podcasts, and I'm sure they're everywhere else too. Which is what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to be everywhere, broadcasting
1: straight to your brains.
0: <laughs> uh, we're going to microchip you with the vaccine. Here we
1: go. Well, I don't have a lot else to add.
0: <laughs> uh, with that, we will
1: wrap up. Uh, thanks
0: for listening uh real dads and real moms catch you later bye